0: Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message.
1: I want to jump right into uh, what God's been speaking to me about. Uh, We won't have a lot of time for it today, but I believe we'll have enough time for what He wants to do, I think, depending on what He wants to do, which at this point, I don't really know much. I'm just... I really, like uh, my brother said, we were talking about it, and he said, did you give them, uh, in my mind, Sar- Sergeant Schultz? I know nothing. <laughs> you guys know that? Like Hogan's Heroes? Sorry. Only certain group's going to get that joke. That's the way I feel like I just know very little, but yet I, I want to know him more. So, hey, we love our Bibles here, though, at the Rhodes Church. We know that. So if we got our Bibles, can we get those out this morning? Let's get excited. Come on, Mount Carmel, Carlinville, E-Roads family. Let's open our Bibles to Hebrews chapter 10. (laughs) Woo! Hebrews chapter 10. Talking about endurance. Everybody say endurance. 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 The Bible says something very important to us about endurance, the need for endurance, that we need to endure trials, we need to endure testing, we need to endure in long-suffering, I mean, following Jesus is not always going to be about unicorns and rainbows. I love a good unicorn. I'm nothing, nothing, no problem with that. I'm just saying it's not just always roses. It's not always ideal scenarios. It's not always ideal circumstances. It's not always everything going our way. It's not always I feel great about my life and everything's wonderful. There's times and seasons of our life where we're wondering, hey, God, what's up? Where are you? Why, why am I walking this out? Why is this going this way? Well, in, in those times, we have to remember there's a need for endurance. Because the Bible says in Matthew 24, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. How long are we supposed to endure? Until the, the end. Until the end. When is the end? The end is when God says it's the end. Yeah, yeah. The end is not when I say, not when I say, well, Lord, I tell you what, I can't take anymore. How many have ever said that? Like, I can't take any more. God knows what we can take long before we know what we can take. So we can't limit ourselves to our own knowledge, but we want to continue to build endurance in Christians and uh, build endurance in disciples. The reason I think this is important, because the church has begun to be a little bit too superficial in some ways, and that people were satisfied with being church attenders and not wanting to be Jesus' followers. There's a big difference Being a church attender and a Jesus follower. Church attender is something you do for an hour, maybe an hour and a half if you go to a super spiritual church. One day a week. But a Jesus follower is something we do 24-7, 365. A follower of Jesus, Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, if you want to follow me, then you've got to deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. That's the message of a disciple. And so we want to continue to build disciples. In Matthew 28, Jesus was talking about making disciples. And he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, not attenders. Yeah, come on. Yeah. Want, to make, want to make disciples, followers of Jesus. We're not trying to grow the church in number. We're trying to grow you. Yeah, that's right. Want you to grow in your relationship with Jesus. Want you to be further along today than you were a week ago. Forget 10 years ago, then last week we should be further along. We have to keep growing in our relationship with Jesus. Too many times we get satisfied with where we are and we think, I'm pretty good. So we draw a line and we say, I'm not going any farther than this because I'm comfortable where I am. What if Jesus says, Keep coming after me? Make disciples. Make disciples of all nations. Everybody say, Disciple. Say, I want to be a disciple. If you do. Only a few did. Sorry, not everybody jumped in on that one. (laughs) That's okay. Don't just repeat after me if you don't want it. Disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Look at this verse 20. Teaching them to observe. Now the word observe there doesn't mean just to watch. Teaching them to observe is to see it, to apply it, and to obey it. That's what that word observe, it's three facets, to see it, to become aware of it, to apply it into our own personal life, and to obey it and to continue in it. That's what it means to observe. So teaching them to observe, if we have to be, if if observing is those three things, I mean we have to be taught to observe. All these things that I've commanded you in law, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So here's what I feel like the commission from God is, teaching people to observe, not entertaining them to attend. That's That's what I'm trying to continue to deal with in my own life is that I want to make sure, Lord, I'm not trying to entertain to get people to come to the church because they really think I'm swell. That's an old term. Does anybody say swell anymore? Yeah, if you get swell, you're swole. (laughs) Marty, you're swole. (laughs) But now... It's like if something's really good, it's swell. If you have to define a word, you probably should get a new one. That's what I'm saying. But anyway, that's what we're trying to do, make disciples. Make disciples. So have you got Hebrews chapter 10? So it's going to be a disciple-making message. Are you ready for it? You sure? Hebrews chapter 10. Let's pray first. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. I need Jesus. I don't know if you need him, but right now I need him. Jesus, I love you. I thank you for your smile. Thank you for the joy that is on your face. That you truly are worthy. So I invite you, Lord Jesus, to come. Have your way. I surrender to you. I yield to you. That whatever you want said will be said. Whatever you want done will be done. Nothing less and nothing more. I pray, Lord, that this word will be filled with your life, not my charisma, Lord, but your power, your demonstration. Confirm the word with signs following that Jesus will get all the glory and all the praise. I love you, Lord, and we thank you for it. Amen. Excuse me, verse 26. I came ready this service. says, for if we sin willfully, everybody say willfully, what does it mean to sin willfully? It means to deliberately sin, intentionally sin, purposely sin, like I know better and I don't care. Jesus is putting something in a certain category, so I want us to be clear what contextually Scripture is talking about. The writer of the Hebrews is talking to these believers. Remember, the Bible is generally, especially the the New Testament letters, are written to believers or followers of Jesus. So these are people that are already supposed to be following after Jesus, that if we sin willfully, if we sin deliberately, intentionally, and purposefully, we choose to do it, what is sin? So if I sin willfully, look what happens. If I sin willfully, uh, then after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. So sinning willfully after I've received the knowledge of the truth is like this. Like if I don't know any better, it's one thing to do something. But once I receive the knowledge of the truth, then now if I continue in that sin, it's different to God. It's different. It doesn't mean he doesn't forgive sin anymore. That's not what he's saying. He's just saying, once he's brought something to our attention, he who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is sin to them. What is sin? In our day and age, people have made that a very big challenge to try and define sin. Let me try and define it for you biblically. It's a Greek word that means to miss the mark, to do contrary to the law of God. So sin means to miss the mark or do contrary to the law of who? The law of, the law of God. So who gets to decide what sin is? Only God does. The world doesn't get to decide what sin is. The current culture does not get to decide what sin is. Only God gets to decide what sin is. He is the mark. So when we miss the mark, he gets to determine whether we miss it or not. I, I'm always amazed at this uh, when people come up to people and they ask them, do you think this is a sin? Do you think that is a sin? They'll get trying to put pressure on people. Are you trying to tell me that, that uh, uh, abortion is a sin? Are you trying to tell me that, uh, that uh, same-sex marriage is a sin? Are you trying to tell me that this is a sin or that's a sin? What I think is a sin does not matter in the least. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what I think is a sin. The only thing that matters is what God thinks is a sin. I can think something is a sin, but if God doesn't think it's a sin, it doesn't matter. or vice versa. If I think because of in our current culture, things have changed and we're more modern, and we're not so close-minded and conservative. So now things have, have broadened and we've become more enlightened that now it's totally acceptable for people outside of marriage to have sex. Totally acceptable in culture. But it doesn't matter what culture says, it matters matter what God says. God calls it fornication. I'm not trying to say angry. I'm trying to say that to say this is what God says, what he says matters, not what I say, what he says. So this is what he says. If we sin willfully after we've received the knowledge of the truth, what is the truth? The truth is the word of God. Truth is not what I say. The truth is not what Twitter says. The truth is not what Snapchat says. The truth is not what anybody says. The truth is not what Hollywood celebrities say. The truth is not what Fox News says, CNN says, MSNBC says. The truth is not what The View says, Dr. Phil says, my best friend says. The truth is what the Word of God says. So if we sin, there's no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation which will devour the adversaries. One of the things that I felt like God wanted to talk about today was uh, bringing back to reality that there are only two sides in this world. There's only two. And they're not Democrat and Republican. Get your head out of the water. It's time to come up, Christians, out of the muck and the mire. It's not conservatives and liberals. It's Jesus, the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of darkness. That's it. And stop trying to apply the kingdom of God to only one of those parties. I'm going to offend some people this morning. The kingdom of God is independent of our political party system. The kingdom of God has a king who was not voted for. I better get dig out of this for a second. People get nervous. People putting too, way too much faith and hope in political parties changing this world. We have a king on a throne who can change things in the blink of an eye. Uh, I let a few run around the track there. I want to say that. I'll save that one. But a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Do you realize all the adversaries of God are going to be devoured? Yeah. Remember, how many sides are there? There's Jesus and there's death. That's it. There's not, well, the good people and the mediocre and the, it's, it's Jesus and death. Hold your finger there and go to 2 Thessalonians. I want you to read the, I want you to see this in your Bible. This is important for us to understand and read in our our world today. I believe it's important for it to be taught from our pulpits because uh, sermons have become so much just cool life application that people are not preaching the gospel. And so people are coming to church, getting cool messages about how God wants to fix your life, and they're not getting any messages about how we're supposed to die and give our life to Jesus. So again, I'm not trying to be the preacher like the only one doing it. There's thousands of people all around the world preaching the good gospel. I'm just saying I want to try and bring context to this. Look in verse 6 of Seth, what is it? Second Thessalonians. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. That was a little expressive. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Did you see that? It's a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation. That's not talking about the great tribulation. That's a word that just means afflictions, those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. So Jesus is going to come from heaven with his mighty angels. Do you realize that, that Jesus is going to return? Yeah. The world's not going to be saved by an election. The world's going to be saved by a savior that comes from the eastern sky. Do you realize that Jesus is a real being? He's not Santa Claus. It's not the Easter Bunny. Jesus is real. We can't see him, but he's still real, and he's coming back. So he's coming back, and he's coming back with his mighty angels. Whoa, picture this. I'm pointing this way because that's east, in case you're wondering. So I'm expecting him. So Jesus is coming with his mighty angels and what is, it, what is it, he, and, he and his mighty angels going to be doing? They're coming back in verse 8 in flaming fire. <sniffs> that was fire. <laughs> flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. You realize this is going to happen, right? He's coming back with his angels, flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God. Vengeance is not angry. Vengeance is justice. Yeah, right. He's not mad when he's coming back. He's bringing justice. There's a big difference. People think God's angry, so we, that angry is bad, so we, gotta, we can't preach angry God, so now we got to preach no justice God. Just because God's not angry doesn't mean he's not just. He's coming back bringing vengeance. In other words, he's going to repay back what people have sown into. He's coming with vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's two groups there of application. One's the ones who do not know and those who know but don't obey. Which camp are we in? Are we in the ones who don't know, or are we in the ones that I know, but I'm just not obeying right now because I want to do my thing? I'm just reading the Bible. Jesus said, I'm going to come back with flaming fire. These, look at verse 9. Come on, we got to hear this. we got to hear this. These, who are these? The ones who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These, those two groups, these shall be punished with what kind of destruction? Everlasting destruction. How long is everlasting destruction? Flip the words in that word. It is lasting forever. It is destruction that never stops. What does everlasting destruction look like? Read on, the Bible tells us. Everlasting destruction... From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. What is destruction in God's eyes? Destruction in God's eyes is the absence of God. Separation from him is everlasting destruction. Because everything good comes from above. So without him, everything that's left over is bad. If he is love, joy, peace, gentleness, goodness, meekness, temperance, faith, if he is all of those things, then what do we have without him? The opposite of that. This is what these are going to have for everlasting destruction is the absence of love forever. If God is peace, what's it going to be like to live for eternity with no peace? If God is joy, what's it going to be like to live forever without joy? It's not just burning in flames. It's it's the torment of the absence of anything good to be totally encompassed with fear all the time, every day, forever. Have we got the picture? Verse 10, when he comes in that day to be glorified in In his saints and to be admired among those who believe because our testimony among you was believed when he comes on that day It's going to be a tremendously fearful day for those who don't know him and a joyful day for those who do Let's go back to hebrews chapter 10 Look at verse 28 So we realize that the adversaries of god are going to be devoured How many knows I don't want to be an adversary of god? Verse 28. Anyone who has rejected Moses' law, Ten Commandments. This is what happened in the Old Testament. Anyone who would rejected Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. Here's what he's talking about in Ten Commandment time, Old Testament. You know the Ten Commandments? Let's pick one. Let's say thou shalt not commit adultery. We could We could do thou shalt lie. We could do thou shalt not kill. We could do a number of them. I'm just going to pick that one randomly. So thou shalt not commit adultery. If two or three people came together to the elders and they said, we know that Chad committed adultery. You know what would happen to Chad? He's dead. I had to die because of my sin. That's the Old Testament. Look at verse 29. This is New Testament. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose? Will he be thought worthy who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified a common thing, and insulted the Spirit of grace? What is he saying? Ten Commandments were just some words. Thou shalt not this, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The cross... This was a person. It says, how much more do you suppose will the one be thought worthy who's trampled the Son of God? Not the Ten Commandments, but the Son of the living God who came and paid the price for my sins. How much more serious is that? That the son of the living God left heaven, became a man. Let them hang him on this cross for my sins and I trample him underfoot. I would never trample Jesus underfoot. Oh, we would. And we do. When we say, I don't need you, I can do it on my own. I trample him underfoot and I say, I am God of my own life. Or, secondly, or count the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, or little value, ordinary, no big deal. The blood that was shed on this cross, to count it as, ah, no big deal, it's just a story in a Bible about Jesus and the cross. The blood that we just took communion about, if I count that as common, and no big deal, Jesus That blood was sprinkled on the mercy seat and made peace between God and man. He said, if you count that as no big deal, if you count that as ordinary. Look at the third, last one he said. An insult, that word insult there means to mock, disrespect, or to be arrogant about the spirit of grace. The spirit of grace. Do you know what that means? To mock, to insult the spirit of grace. It's to say in our mind, like I, <laughs> that the holy God sent his son, and only by grace am I saved, not of works, lest anyone should boast, but it's only by his grace that I even have the opportunity to talk to him. It's because God gave grace to me. But I come in and I arrogantly say, I think I'm a pretty good person. <laughs> Don't insult the spirit of grace and make ourselves into something. We are nothing without Jesus. We insult the spirit of grace when we tramp or walk around and be like, well, I think I'm pretty good. I I think I'll get saved when I want to. I, I think I'll get my life right when I want to. No, by grace, it's his grace that I'm anything. It's his amazing grace that saved a wretch like me. This is what he's saying. He says, verse 30, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. It's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of a living God. What I felt like the Lord is speaking is that many in the church have lost the fear of God. We're too casual. We're too casual. We're, too, we're so social media trained. We've lost the fear of God. I w- uh, the fear of God as far as the fear of sin there, there's, you just watch television what used to not be allowed words they use all the time there's certain words I, w- I was listening to a sports cast the other day this is just this is on a sports channel and the person said they were going to say something they Said, well I was about to curse and they went ahead and said another word for donkey right after that because that's not a cuss word anymore Lucas likes to watch Get TV and was Sundance, I think it is. And, and, and he was watching it, and Andy Griffith was on. You guys remember Andy Griffith? And I'm watch, I'm, I come through the room, and, I, and I'm watching Andy. And Andy's got a guitar, he's there in the jail, got this lady sitting there, and they began to sing Away in the Manger. Away in the Manger. And they started to sing the second verse. And they said, I'm watching TV. This was on national television. They said, I love thee, Lord Jesus. And when they sang that words, I'm like, what? This was a t- popular television show? Television show and they're saying, I love thee, Lord Jesus? There's no fear of God. Look what Jesus said. Let me close with this. Some people have forgotten. You know, they, they paint this picture of Jesus like he's only super nice guy, only saying all nice things all the time. And, and he did. He always says nice things. But look what he says in Luke chapter 12, verse 4. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that have no more that they can do. Don't be afraid of those people. Don't be afraid. But verse 5, but I will show you who's talking here. Come on, who is it? It's Jesus. Look at it. Luke chapter 12, verse 5. It's in the red. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who after he is killed has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Jesus saying that. Fear God. Not be afraid of him, but reverential fear of God. When I woke up this morning, I've I've, I heard the word ambassador. And I felt like the Lord was asking me, will you be an ambassador for me today? And I, there's only one scripture in the whole Bible that I know has the word ambassador. So I turned to it in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. And I, I didn't know what, what he meant by it. <laughs> but it says this, now then we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us we implore you, that means to beg, to plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For me, he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And I, I felt him asking me, Chad, will you be an ambassador for me today? So I said, sure. I didn't know what that meant. I had no idea what was going to happen. I didn't know what we were going to do. It didn't, it didn't go along with my message. I didn't think so. I, I, mean, I was going to talk about endurance. And so he said, will you be an ambassador for me? And, and I was a role ambassador as, in, in church as a kid. And so I'm like, yes, I'll be an RA. And, and so, but he said, what does that ambassador mean? And here's what I hear God saying to me. Will you beg them? Will you plead with them to be reconciled to God? Will you, will you beg them? To not trample on the Son of God. Will you beg them and plead with them. Get right with my Son. See because this message of judgment. This message of Jesus coming and fiery angels and all that. It's not because he's mad. He's just given us a heads up. It's coming. And he's doing it out of love. So that we can stop and we can repent. And we can receive the best thing ever. And that's Jesus. He's not doing it because he's mad at people, trying to scare people. He's doing it to say, this is going to happen. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm coming with my angels, and I'm going to bring justice on the earth. So plead with them, Chad. Plead with them. Be reconciled to Jesus. Be reconciled to Jesus. Beg them. Receive the gift of salvation. Don't trample on the spirit of grace and insult it. Don't take it lightly. Don't be a church goer. Don't get callous. Because you've been in church for a long time and you've heard a lot of sermons and you've heard a lot of altar calls. And so it's blah, 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 blah. Let's go eat lunch. The football game's on. Don't get callous. Jesus is coming. I love football, but Jesus is more important because he's eternal. So everything we do is going to be determined by what did we do with the man who hung on this cross. So would you bow your heads with me? Excuse me. you are with Jesus I don't know what your relationship with with him is but I'm pleading with you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to him well I've already been saved that's fine that's fine but are you reconciled Are are you walking with him right now do you need to give him your life Completely. Maybe you've marginally attended church, but you've never become a follower of Jesus. Never really repented of sin. You just said, I want to go to heaven. But I want to give opportunity for anyone of the sound of my voice, Carlinville, or Mount Carmel, or North City, E-Road's family. If you need to be reconciled to God, get out of your seat and come to this altar. Jesus your pride has to die on the way I'm going to get up in front of all those people oh my friends my friends I will cry and kneel in front of hundreds or thousands of people if it will mean the difference in your eternity will you give your heart to Jesus Will you be reconciled to him this morning? Come down. Come down. Jesus, we choose you. We choose you, Jesus. He's pleading with this world. He's pleading with us to not make him a casual, common thing, to not make him an ordinary thing like something we do. He is not something we do on a Sunday. I pray that Jesus will show us who we are without him. I don't know who you are without Jesus. Jesus. But I know who I am without him. I know how his amazing grace saved a wretch like me. That I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. Will you give him your life?
2: Yeah I'll teach you how to live. Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus. I'll teach you how to love.
1: Don't reject Him. Don't put Him off.
2: Come a closer Be
1: closer to Be reconciled to God. Humble yourself. Swallow your pride. A little closer to me. Make Him Lord of your life. Go from being a church attender to a follower of Jesus. It takes courage to be a follower of Jesus. It takes a real man or woman to be a follower of Jesus. Lay down your life. Take up your cross and follow him. Give him everything, every part of your life. Give him every secret sin, renouncing flesh. Be reconciled to God. I beg you. I beg you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you.
2: you see, through eyes of love, a hopeless case, an empty place. If not
1: stand, you can. If you're at the altar, please feel free to stay where you are. I'm not going to dismiss you. really felt like the Lord was just saying to make a decision that it's your decision I don't know where you are with God I, I really don't want to do this in front of people all the time I want to be so broken before him. He's all that matters. He's all that matters. He will not decide for you. won't make the decision for you to serve Jesus but he'll empower the decision you make I just feel him so strong today I didn't know what he meant by will you be my ambassador I didn't realize it was going to be emotional punishment but it's like when you begin to feel what he feels like he's just saying beg them more he's not mad he's just wants you so badly he wants you to see what he has for you and all you see is yourself oh his heart is aching for this world His heart is aching for the lost, for those that are blind, for the wretches that you think deserve what they're getting. Jesus, his heart is for them. And I'm just seeing, again, I apologize, they've said to me, sorry excuse me I'm not trying to be emotional for the sake of being emotional and I realize but I'm just realizing that this was where I deserve to die and I'm realizing that song that, that where would I be without his grace that I would I was a wretch. I was, I was a wretch. I was filthy. I was twisted and wicked and, and he saved me. He changed me. I'm a different person only because of him. It's, it's him. I died and the life that I live now I'm hidden with God in Christ. So I'm thankful that you have something to please, them.
0: So my heart is about to beat out of my chest, so I know I'm supposed to share this. On October 4th, 2010, my son walked into my office, and he said, I have made a mess of my life. And he said, are you disappointed in me? And I said, son, I can never be disappointed in you, but I'm disappointed for you. Because Jesus has so much for you. And at that moment, I began to lead him back to Jesus. That was late in the afternoon on a Monday, October 4th. The next morning, about 8 a.m., he died in a car accident. I'm telling you that because I told him on October 4th. I said, if you will say yes to Jesus, he will empower your yes. He empowered his yes. It did not look like I thought it would look like. But he empowered his yes. And he is in eternity. He's in eternity with Jesus. That is all that matters. And I'm here to tell you today, if you will say yes to Jesus, he will empower your yes. Because you are not guaranteed of tomorrow. My son could have not said yes. And he would be in eternity, but he would not be with Jesus. I feel the heart of Pastor Chad right now. If you will say yes to Jesus, he will empower your yes. You don't have to figure it all out. But he has to have your yes. He has to have your yes. You don't know when you walk out this door if you're going to get to your destination. I'm telling you. Say yes to him and he will empower your yes. Thank you, Jesus.
1: I used to think, you know, people would criticize preachers and say, well, you're just trying to beg people at the altar. But when I read this verse, Paul said that, we're ambassadors. For him, we're sent on assignment from a foreign country to this country and as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. <laughs> and I get what she's saying. 99% of people, that will not be your story. You'll walk out of here and be fine and you'll live another however long, but For the ones who don't, it matters. Unfortunately, there's not a magic age attached to it. When I get older, you know, when I get... And my heart's heavy. I mean, I did this last week. My heart's heavy for church kids. Because they're the ones that get callous to it. Because I was one, raised in church my whole life. I realize you can get callous to it, and you'd be like, blah, blah, I'm safe, so I'm fine. I can begin to compromise a little bit. I can begin to open this door. I can begin to open this, and it's all right. I'm saved because I know the church story. I know about the cross, and I know about forgiveness. And so I begin to open all these doors and get callous to conviction that I'm no longer moved by the Holy Spirit. And I forget that it's only by his grace I even feel conviction. It's only by the grace of God that I even know what sin is. That's why it's so arrogant for us to say, I'll do it next week. You don't even know if the Holy Spirit will draw you next week. It's only by his grace. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray in close so then those need to go can and if you want to give your life to Jesus we're going to stay here and we're going to pray for anyone who wants to come and say yes if you're watching online you can pray right now begin to give your life to Jesus just ask him to come in there's no magic words it's just saying Jesus I repent of my sin I want you to be the Lord of my life so father I thank you for your presence Lord I pray that I will be your ambassador Represents you well. I pray that all of us will go this week and be your ambassadors. That we will let you plead through us to others. Be reconciled to God. Give your life to Jesus. Give your life to Jesus.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.